Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. The host, Lewis Alfan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We sure wish you would. We always appreciate hearing folks all around town, all around the world, or wherever you may be. That we do. There you go. <laughs> hey, if not, you can be subjected to us just sitting here babbling between ourselves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what's fixing to happen, huh? Yeah, that's the downside. So you might want to go ahead and call in. Just kind of <laughs> kind of break it up? Yeah, relieve yourself of that kind of misery. You know? <laughs> but, uh, hey, whatever whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> uh, that's it. Yeah, I thought we would talk a little bit today about fluid levels and stuff in cars and what right. they indicate. And for the most part, by wide majority – Fluids don't just automatically go down. When mm-hmm. they go down, it generally indicates some kind of an issue going on. Now, what one fluid that contradicts that, and like every rule you're ever going to make, there's going to be some contradiction. Exception. Of course, windshield washer fluid is going to go down because right. it, it is consumed. Well, you are using it. Yeah, I mean, you're using yeah. it. Every time you push that button, it comes squirting out. Well, that reservoir is going to drop down. So right. You can't expect your windshield washer fluid to go to down. Ramp. That's a normal thing. But most vehicles... Or not that way. Right. With the exception of brake fluid. Right. To a point. Right. Brake fluid is going to go down because of the wear. As the brake pads wear, they get thinner. Right. As the brake pads get thinner, the piston has to come out further. And for that to happen, fluid has to fill in behind it. Right. It's going to take up so fluid. So it has to take up fluid, which is going to drop the level in the master cylinder. Right. But it should never go below the minimum line. Each that ma- is correct. Each master has a max and a minimum line. It mm-hmm. should never go below the minimum most of your vehicles nowadays have a sensor on it that lets you know, hey, the brake fluid's getting too low. Right. Now, when the brake fluid goes low, at very least, it indicates that the pads have worn. Correct. So it's still time to check the brakes. Now, it can also indicate a leak. Now, that could be an external leak. Or an internal leak. Or an internal leak. And, see, people are pretty attuned to looking for external leaks. Sure. You know, you got an oil leak, you get a spot on the ground, big black oil spot on the ground. Transmission, you get a red spot on the ground. Right. Brake fluids, brake fluid, coolant. However, it is possible to have a leak, and it is not readily apparent where it's going. Now, that doesn't mean that it isn't leaking. Exactly, it is, fluid is going somewhere. We, so, we get calls or emails all the time where people say, "Well, I keep losing this, but it's not leaking." Uh-huh. No, no, it is leaking. Right, you and, just have not. Found it. <laughs> yeah. In the case of brake fluid, the most most common place it goes where you, you don't Thank see you. it dripping out or seeing anything wet. Right. It actually leaks out the back of the brake booster into the booster assembly. Right. Out the back of the master cylinder. Master cylinder. Yeah. Oh. If that seal in the back of the master cylinder goes bad, or ironically, if the booster goes bad, because most boosters operate on engine vacuum. Correct. There's a handful that run off power steering system, high boost, but most of them run off engine vacuum. So if the booster were to fail, the seal between the booster and the master cylinder goes out, then the vacuum from the booster can actually suck the seal out of the back of the master cylinder. And that's why, if you ever notice, when you go to buy a brake booster, a lot of them will come with a master cylinder. Uh But in every case, when you are changing your master cylinder and it's leaking out the back into the booster that's not going to be a matter of just changing the master cylinder no because that fluid is not supposed to be inside that booster right against that against that diaphragm Mm -hmm. and eventually it will eat a hole in that diaphragm and the result is going to be a very hard to push brake pedal right 
because it's going to or before that occurs when it just starts to get the, the fluid the, excuse me the vacuum is going on mass so if you put a new mass somewhere it's going to last about a month right at and most it's going to pull then it's going to break it down again so you're absolutely wasting your time if you if you got a system a brake system you're losing brake fluid it's not leaking to the outside. You've checked the calipers. You've checked the hoses. You've the checked the ABS unit. You've right. checked the connectors in the back. Everything. Check the rear wheel cylinders. You've checked all that. There's no fluid loss. Well, the next step is to pull that brake master cylinder off of the booster. If it is wet at all, because mm-hmm. no, that should be perfectly dry in there. If it, it is should. wet at all, then it's leaked out of the back of the master cylinder into the booster. Right. Now, and there's a compounding problem here. That fluid is not supposed to be in that booster. Correct. The engine is drawing vacuum out of to that booster. Mm-hmm. So any fluid in there is at some point going to be able to be sucked up into the vacuum system, into the motor. Right. Well, the motor is not designed to burn brake fluid. Right. So it goes right on into the catalytic converter, which increases the temperature inside the catalytic converter right. and can actually melt it down. Well, that and it's also introducing a foreign substance in there. It's not supposed to be in there. So it breaks down the catalyst and all that. I know the Chevy pickup trucks, I don't recall the exact years, right around 07, maybe up till about 12, 14. Like 04. It was o- that far o- back. 04 to, to 9, 10, something, somewhere, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Had a real, real problem with the master cylinder leaking into the booster. Right. In fact, the they uh, redesigned 05, 06, they actually redesigned it. Yeah, so if you go buy just a new booster, it's not going to fit the old master cylinder Correct. anymore. You have to change them as a pair because they're, they've redesigned. But they had a tremendous problem with that. They did. We used to get people in all the time, and they say, yeah, I'm losing brake fluid. I've had half a can every so often. Yak, yak, yak. But they kept driving the car. Mm-hmm. Well, what would happen, you go in and you say, okay, what we're going to have to do is replace the booster. We've got to replace the master cylinder, which was already a huge bill. Sure. And then maybe two, three weeks later, the check, check engine, engine light pops, pops on. on. Right. Well, that, again, is going to be another huge bill because what happened, all this fluid got sucked into the in engine. Motor. It went through the catalytic converter, which ended up destroying the converter. Sure. So I had a guy one time, he said that he would accelerate and when he let off, a big puff of white smoke would come out the back of his truck. Mm-hmm. And what it is, when you accelerate, engine vacuum kind of drops down. When you let off, the vacuum goes wide open. It would suck enough in there to where you actually get a puff of smoke out the back of the truck. We actually had one come in. It took us a little while to find it. I think Jeff finally finally found it mm-hmm. or you know, led, toward, led us toward it. Mm-hmm. But you would take this vehicle and you could drive it as easy or as hard as you wanted. But if you hit the brakes real hard, when it come to a stop, the engine would die. Yeah. And and we looked at it and looked at it and looked at it and finally figured out that the brake booster had had so much brake fluid in it mm-hmm. that when you hit the brakes, it would slosh up into the vacuum and the motor would pull it in. It actually killed the motor. Yeah. Well, it I, had that much fluid in it. I mean, technically, it could hydrolock the motor. Exactly. Because there's no fluid that's compressible. So, yeah, sure. you, you can just, it can, where we're going with all that is you see your fluid level going down. And a very, very slow drop over a long period of time is a normal situation. could just be the brakes wearing. But what we're talking here is it's going to go from the maximum line to the minimum, to the minimum line in 40, 50, 60, 80, 100,000 miles. Mm-hmm. That would be kind of sort of normal. 
because as the pads wear, it's going to take the pistons out. It's going to take more in. But if you are having to add fluid, see, in a situation like that, you would never have to add fluid. No. It's just when the light would come on, you'd say, well, you hadn't done my brakes in the last 80,000 miles. You pull the wheels off. You see the pads are worn. There's no leaks. Sure. You put a set of pads on. You, you'll purge all the old fluid out, put fresh fluid in it, and you're good to go. And the level stays. It's going to stay again for right. a long, long, long period of time. But what we're talking about is a uh, fluid level that actually goes down over several months, maybe. Yeah. Or, or, or a even, couple of weeks. Yeah, whatever. The, whatever the, the time. The, the bigger the, the leak, time. the shorter period of time it's going sure. to go down. And this is something that you have to jump right on yep. right away. Because it is going to escalate, get worse and worse and worse. It's not ever going to get better. No, and it's actually going to cause more problems further down the line. Well, yeah, because that foot is going to go somewhere. Right. And wherever it goes, it's not designed to be. So there's going to be a ramification. Exactly. I mean, at very least, you'd be in a buying brake booster, which most boosters can cost anywhere from. I think the one for the Chevy truck's right at three hundred dollars. About three hundred dollars. And the Master's almost three hundred dollars. Yeah, also. I've seen them up up to eight, nine hundred, a thousand or more. Right. Some boosters. Just depending on the application. Yeah. They vary in price greatly, which I never understood that either. Because they all basically do pretty much the the same same thing. thing. In the same way. Yeah, in the same way. In in fact, when we used to convert old cars over to power brakes, you just grab a booster off of whatever you get easily. We Mm -hmm. used to use Chevy pickup trucks a lot, boosters, because they were readily available. Plug it on air, hook it up, make the brackets for it, hook vacuum source to it. Sure. You had power brakes. So, yeah, they all function pretty much the same as one another. But they do vary in price. They do. Greatly. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and take our first quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ever plan to motor west? Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. Man, you have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy, Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, brah. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days and if you're looking for the right automotive guy it's agco automotive we make it easy quality repairs and a staff you can trust and with agco's general inspection you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road you will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese i think i'm just going to hit the gym tj but thanks get automotive peace of mind schedule your general inspection today at agco automotive agco it's the place to go Hey, welcome back. Just join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Today we were talking a little bit about fluids that you might not know where they go. Uh-huh. They just kind of just start disappearing and some of the reasoning behind that. However, you're never limited to that. Whatever, not at all. Whatever topic you got on your mind, if your brakes are squeaking or your check engine lights on, whatever you have, you give us a call. AC not blowing cold. We'll take a call on any topic. It's 291-6901. All our lines wide open. Be glad to take you right on in. Get you straight up to the top of the list. That they are. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button and fill out the form. Hey, go send it on in to me, and I'll be glad to get an answer straight on back to you. Always within 24 hours, sometimes sooner. just depends on where I am. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and, you know, if you, some reason you should not get it, 
check your spam folder. Right. Because it's very possible it could have went to the spam folder. I know a lot of email clients, when they see a lot of email coming off of a certain server, they're kind of suspicious mm-hmm. about that. And they will throw it into a spam folder. Depending on what your security settings are, right. it may see it, it may not see it. But, yeah, if you don't get an answer back from us, check your spam folder. Make sure it didn't get put there. And another thing is also confirm the email address you give me. You have to enter it twice, but uh-huh. some people just kind of bop it on in there. If I get a wrong email address, then this is not like you sent me a personal email. I can't reply back to the one it came from. Whatever you put in there is where it's going back to. Correct. Whatever you enter, because it works a little different with with a server than it does with an email client. And if you put the wrong address, even by one character, I'm not going to be able to figure it out. I'm just going to hit the button. It's going to bounce back to me, and that's the that's end of it. Right. So, yeah, be sure you did put the right return address in there and make sure that you check your spam folder. If you hadn't got an answer back from me real soon, sure. <laughs> then 24 hours. We were talking a little bit about brake fluid and how mm-hmm. it can go, some of the places it can go. Now, it can also, of course, leak from the cylinders, sure, the calipers. A lot of times people won't notice they will either not pull the rear wheels off, and if you got drum brakes on the rear, which a lot of vehicles do, still, if you look back there, you're not going to see fluid anywhere necessarily because it may leak out of the cylinder, and there are two seals on the outside of that cylinder. They're actually, they're actually dust boots. They're dust they're not, boots. They're not really seals. They're dust boots. They're not designed to hold fluid in. And if you take that little boot and gently with your finger pull it back, if fluid comes running out, then the cylinder is bad. Yes, it is. That boot is not designed to hold fluid in. No. Although it will hold in for a little while. There's actually a cup seal that works inside there. A pressure seal. That is supposed to hold everything, hold the fluid in. So the the dust seals on the outside. They're to keep dust trash getting getting into into the the cylinder. But if that little cylinder, when you pull that boot back, if any fluid at all is in there, if it's wet, then that cylinder is leaking. Right. So, And I've seen those leaks slightly. The boot will leak out, and the fluid will hit the drum, and the drum will spin it around, and it will almost go away from sight. Yeah, it'll it'll soak into the shoes. It soaks into the shoes. So if it soaks into the shoes, if it's leaking small enough, if it's Mm -hmm. a big leak, then it's going to actually leak out. It's going to get into the drum, right. and before long, it's going to be it's going to soak the shoes down, and you start getting all kind of different braking Issues. things. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, everything from yeah everything from brakes locking up to you know a lot of noises and all that kind of garbage. But now at this point, you're still into changing the wheel cylinders because they're leaking, and now you've a bigger problem because now the shoes have soaked up that fluid. Even if they still have enough material left on them, right. they're not going to operate they're ruined. properly. Yeah, they're ruined. Ones that are not replaceable, we've got a machine that can cut the old end off and crimp a new end, just like a factory end on. What you mm-hmm. don't want to do is go buy one of these little temporary cable ends, put that on there, and tighten the little bolts down because that will not work. That will definitely cause you all kinds of issues, up to and including transmission damage. Sure. So, you want to be kind of careful. If you're not getting sufficient ground to your battery, the low battery is probably the least of your problems. Because what can happen, you develop what they call a transient ground. And there's a, what that is, the engine is sitting on rubber blocks. It's not grounded to the body at all. So mm-hmm. if the lead from the engine back to the battery is only capable of transmitting, say, 100 amps of current, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you hit your starter. Well, that starter is going to pull 175 amps. 75 amps has to come from somewhere, and it ain't going to magically appear. 
what will happen, it can draw it, and the path is generally like this. The only way that that engine goes back to the body of the car is that the drive axles go into the transmission, which is connected to the engine. So the current will start to flow through the transmission, through the drive axles, out to the knuckles, back through the tie rods, back through the rack and pinion, and then up the steering column, and that's where it finds the ground. And it's going to find the ground. The problem is running electricity through these parts causes an arc, and it can destroy every one of the parts I just mentioned. In other words, it mm-hmm. can tear up the transmission, it can tear up the drive axles, it can tear up the tie rods. None, and, of, none of that is designed to carry. Right. The, and in many, many cases, this has happened. I remember back in the day, the Ford Taurus used oh, to yeah. have a tremendous problem with negative ground wasn't adequate. And it would, it would, the, the byproduct was it would start to eat up tie rods. And you could put a new set of tie rods, and six months later, it wore out again. Everybody, all oh, these cheap things, it's not making them right. But what it was, it was transient ground. I've seen cases where transmissions would go out because it had inadequate ground. You put an extra ground strap on it and stop the problem. Remember, a guy came in, transmission burned, slap up. He goes, pick the car, he looks down, he sees this ground strap we put on. He said, what's that? I said, that's auxiliary ground. Oh, that ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, I'll tell you what, wait till it's out of warranty and take it off. (laughs) 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 So that definitely could be a problem. Now, there's other things too, SJ. I mean, you could have like parasitic draw, which is something that's staying on that shouldn't be on. And all this stuff is relatively easy to check for. I mean, if you got a voltmeter, a voltometer, you can put it on milliamps where you're measuring that. Take the negative cable off, hook it between the battery and that, and see if it's drawing and you got to give it about an hour because it will draw a certain amount for a certain amount of time because everything goes to sleep. But you can have something like a computer that's not powering down that should be, which you'll never know. You can have a light in the glove box staying on. I mean, you have all kinds of things. So that's another well, possibility. You said that, this, old, this car here has a cigarette lighter in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You reckon, I mean, I never punched the thing in, but you reckon that the cigarette lighter just sitting in there? Could have been a, a drawdown? Probably not, because those are spring. I mean, you can yeah. just take the lighter out and put it in the ashtray and see. Now, let me ask you again, SJ, how often do you drive the car? Do you drive it every day, or does it no. sit for a lot? Yeah. Well, a lot of I mean, times, that, that and, and I see, especially on Toyota products, if you don't drive them at least a couple times a week, you know, it can, it can draw down like that. I mean, any car can do that, but Toyota seems mm-hmm. to be a little more prone to that because it got more stuff going on with them. In cases where you don't drive the car very much, you can go to a lot of parts stores or whatever, and they make a little solar-powered battery charger, very inexpensive. Mm -hmm. It's just like a little thing. You lay it up on where the sun can hit it, hook it to the battery, and that can help a lot in in, in many cases. So, Well, okay. That being said, I had got it recharged, mm -hmm. and I drove it, uh, what's today, Saturday? I drove it Wednesday and got in it yesterday to drive it around, and it was dead again yeah well that's a good bit of draw there i would say more likely sj that is probably going to be something that's staying on in the car it shouldn't be yeah and you can try to find that yourself i mean or you can bring it to us or, or any shop and they can find that it can be difficult to find one of the easiest ways like i said put a milliamp meter across one terminal and the way you can measure the flow and start popping the fuses out one at a time and mm-hmm. when you hit the right fuse, the draw is going to drop off. Now you got to get a wiring diagram and see what all is on that circuit. At least you know what circuit to start checking. So that narrows it down considerably. I mean, it could take an hour or two to find it. but And 10 minutes to fix it. Yeah, 10 minutes to fix it, just depending yeah. on what it is. Check, too, I'll tell you another common place we see. You know the little vanity mirrors in your sun visors? 
Yeah. Make sure those are going off because I've seen the switch go bad in there and they stay on and you just don't see them. And that'll draw it down pretty quickly also. Okay. So check for All that. Right. Okay. But, uh, I'll do that or either I'll bring it by the shop. Over. Yeah. And I would definitely look at that negative cable because that can cause a lot of other problems. That could be the whole thing. So, yeah, I would, if it's replaceable, just go ahead and replace it. If it's not, bring it by. We put another end on it for you. All right, buddy. I appreciate okay, it. Okay, man. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We're going to go ahead and take our second little break. Be right back with a whole lot more on the Automotive Hour. Hey, Mike. I'm thinking about boiling some shrimp. You know where I can get a good price? Oh, yeah. I got a shrimp guy. But there's a catch. His name is Remy Labateau, and you have to go down to Lafouche Parish and meet him after midnight. Okay. He'll be behind the dumpster of an abandoned fireworks standoff Louisiana one, and you have to buy exactly 50.3 pounds. Well, that's oddly specific. It seems everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for an automotive guy, look no further than the team at Agco Automotive. No hassles, just straight up quality maintenance and repairs. And with Agco's general inspection, they can perform an annual checkup to find any problems and schedule maintenance to keep your car running right, saving you money in the long run. So what kind of seasoning do you use? Oh, I got a seasoning guy, too. How do you feel about traveling to Bangkok? Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alderson, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate you spending Saturday morning with us. And today we were talking a little bit about fluids, fluid levels, what uh-huh. they mean when they go down and all that. Of course, we'll take a call, any call, any topic you may have. We never limit it to whatever we're talking about. And we've got Dane on the line. Good morning, Dane. Hey there. Good morning. Uh, look, I have a 2012 Tundra Crew Max, mm-hmm. and I've been reading about catalytic converter uh, theft, theft yes, or more yeah. around in our area lately. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at various products that may or may not work as a theft deterrent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, you can buy these uh, transmission plates uh, or to put underneath the vehicle. And I was concerned if there's any anything negative that could happen about that, like could it retain heat or something. Uh, is that something that... That would work. Most of the ones I've seen, Dane, are just like a little sensor that pick up the vibration. When you start sawing that pipe, they mm-hmm. pick that up and they go off. And as long as they're installed properly, hooked to the right thing where you're not getting a parasitic draw off of it and all that, yeah, they, they do seem to work to some degree. And again, you've got to, I guess, whether or not the horn blowing or whatever signal it gives is going to deter them. I'm sure if it's in your driveway, that's one thing. If it's sitting out in the parking lot, I'm not sure most people hear sirens and alarms so much today they don't even pay attention to it. And what the thugs do, they've got a battery-powered chop saw, and, I mean, they can reach under there. And one reason they hit Tundras, number one, is because converters have a lot of platinum in them, and so they're fairly valuable. They're also higher off the they're ground. They're higher off the ground. They can reach Easier under there get and under. get to it, whereas like a Corolla or a Camry sits lower ground. They can't get in there. But they just take that chop saw and cut the pipe on each end and pull it out, and you end up with a $1,500, $2,000 pair on hands. But I guess they are better than not having anything at all. And like I said, if you park in your car in your driveway at night, I'm sure if you heard your horn going off or siren going off, you would go and check on it. Sure. But then again, I'm not sure you want to go check on if the <laughs> yeah. thug's got a gun in his pocket now. <laughs> you know? right. So I don't know, man. It's a, it's a big, big issue, but I don't know what the true 
answer is if it is and i guess you gotta use common sense with it and everything else but i know i hear i and my condo in new orleans the parking lot across the street and there's always some horn or siren going off in there i mean because people bump into cars right. and they used to most people just don't even pay attention they just walk on by you know all right so i would be kind of careful where i park my vehicle if you got a garage that's perfect if not i would pull it up under my carport i wouldn't leave it out in the driveway if you go somewhere and they have some kind of attended parking or at least a bright lighted area it just common sense probably gonna help as much as anything but yeah it's like everything else in the world today i mean they don't enforce the laws they got and there's little consequences for doing things so people just reach in and chop it off and there it goes you know Oh, right. Um, so is there any particular brand or anything that you could recommend, something yeah. that you Yeah, I'm really not that familiar with them, Dane. I've put one or two on for people, but they brought their own. I don't have a source on them, so it's just as easy for you to kind of go on the Internet, do a little legwork, figure out what you want. If you don't feel comfortable putting it on, bring it to us. We could put it on, or whoever shop in your area could put it on for you. But, you know, that kind of stuff, you can buy it cheaper than a shop could buy it because they'll sell it direct to you off the Internet. If a shop gets involved, they have to mark it up, so you're just paying more money for virtually no extra gain. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Well, look, thank you very much for your uh, information. Okay, Dane. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. You want to be part of the automotive hour. We'd be glad to help you out and try to point you in the right direction. Talk a little bit about losing fluids and stuff like that, and we talked about brake fluids right. and different places it can go. Another thing that tends to confuse people somewhat is engine oil. Correct. They'll see their engine oil level going down, and the first thing they suspect is a leak. Sure. And they look on the car. They don't see any spots anywhere. And maybe take it to a shop. He checks it over, and there's no oil leaks. But there are places that oil can go other than to leak to the outside. Correct. A lot of engines will consume oil. That is, they're burning up the oil in the combustion process. The most common is probably the rings in the engine can either wear out over time or they can stick. In some cases where you start changing the brand of oil you've always used, for instance, let's say you've always used Exxon Mobil, okay, and you change it over to, say, Havilland or... Another brand. Another brand. Right. Both oils are good. There's nothing wrong with either one. But the additives are not necessarily compatible. Between each one. Between the two. So that can cause all to leak past the rings or leak past the valve guides or whatever. And the symptom is you will start seeing your oil level going down. Right. You're not necessarily going to see it, the engine tailpipe smoking anymore. Right. The, the catalytic converter is going to try to burn up as much as it can. Right. You're not going to see a cloud of smoke like you used to back right. years and years ago because that converter is going to burn that oil fume up with everything else. Now, again, that's going to take a toll on the converter. Right. Because it's not designed, it, not designed to burn. Not up. designed to be in there. A lot of new cars actually consume oil they do they do and a lot that, of newer designs it's really a shame you know most of your manufacturers are saying a quart and a thousand miles yeah that's a lot of oil sure so if you're changing oil every ten thousand miles not checking oil most of your domestics carry six to eight quarts yep you could very easily run out of run oil out if you're of not oil. checking it yeah so that's one of those things that we've almost come full circle on we've got to go back and start checking all again sure now, there is a light, and it usually will come on when it gets low, but I a don't lot of those don't come on until it's real low. I don't I don't like trusting that. Yeah, it really doesn't. You know, it, it doesn't take a few minutes to go out there on the engines that have a dipstick and checking it correctly. Right. Now, some of you manufacturers rely on that system you were just talking about mm-hmm. with the light and you know, the low oil light 
BMW one is yeah. one that comes to mind. They yeah, don't have a dipstick. There's the a handful of European cars that don't even have a dipstick any longer. Right. Uh, it's got a sensor in the oil pan that detects the level of the oil. Right. So when it gets under that level, then it supposedly turns the light on. Right. Now, obviously, an engine can also leak oil. Yes. And there's Most gen- do. generally going to be a spot under the car. However, there are certain things that leak only when the engine is running. Mm-hmm. And if the oil level is higher than the leak, then it's going to probably leak 24 7 sure. and it's going to leave a pretty good sized spot. One thing that comes to mind, like a rear main seal, it may actually leak all the time because it's towards the back of the engine and it gets some oil on it, but it's going to primarily leak when the engine's running. Right. And that's when the oil pressure's up and it's going to start to churn all this stuff. Another one is like the valve covers. Valve covers generally going to leak when the engine is running. Mm-hmm. Now, if that oil runs down, and the engine's running. Generally, the car's going down the road. Sure. You got 60-mile-an-hour wind coming under there. It's blowing that all back. If it, and if it, it hits the exhaust, the exhaust is burn it small, en- small enough leaking, the exhaust is just going to burn it off. Right. So you may have to look very carefully to find an oil leak. Mm-hmm. Because if it's all only leaking when it's running and all oil is blowing back under the car, it may be on the floorboard of the car. Well, that's a big area. So it can take a lot of oil. Some of it drips off going down the road and what have you. Well, and most of your new cars actually have an air dam shield that runs underneath the motor, completely under the motor, covers it completely. So you can leak a lot of oil into that shield because some of them have uh, sound deadening in them. Soaks it up. Soak it up. So you could leak a lot before it actually got out on the ground. Mm -hmm. Another place where it's only going to leak when the engine's running, and that's like an all-pressure sender unit. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty common to leak. They are. And... A lot of times what will happen, because it doesn't leak when all night long, it's not going to leak because the engine's not running. Sure. So you may not see a spot or a sizable spot in your driveway. Yeah. But going down the road, it's constantly dripping. It may be blowing away. It may be falling on something, whatever. Sure. Again, it's going to be a problem. If all level is going down, any sizable amount. I know, like you said, on some of the new cars, they're saying a quart every thousand miles. That seems awfully excessive it, to me. It does. It I does. Mean, I mean, I've got a I've got a thirty year old engine at the house, right. That doesn't burn that kind of oil. Yeah, even between changes, you don't have to add no. anything ever. And same thing with my old truck. I mean, right. it's got some oil leaks on it now, just because the age and age of the truck, and they're not hurting anything because they're not dripping on anything critical. So I've elected not to worry with them until mm-hmm. they get worse or start hurting something. Well, and it's not leaking bad enough to have to add between changes either. Right, it's not leaving a spot or anything, not having to add any oil. So you know, it's not really a big problem for me. Right. So that's the thing. When you when you start to lose engine oil, you need to find out, is it leaking? If it's not leaking, where's it going? Where's it going? Now, if it's not burning that much oil, it's losing some mm-hmm. because the repair is generally going to be a major, major thing. Sometimes the fix is worse than the problem. Sometimes. You may elect to just add oil to it. Mm-hmm. And the only thing you know that if it's burning enough oil, it's going to probably shorten the life of the converter. But again, you got to balance this out between rebuilding the engine in some cases you know, because it's not going to shorten it all that much. So it's one of those things you have to kind of weigh out. How much oil am I losing? Where is it going? Is it worth addressing right now? Another problem with engine oil leaks is that they can leak down onto the suspension bushings because the suspension of the car is generally directly under the engine. Correct. Now, you got to remember, when you look under a car for an oil, trying to find an oil leak, you're always going to see it dripping at the back at the of lowest, the engine lowest and at the oil pan. And many, many, many all pan gaskets have been changed. Sure. Many, many rear main seals have been changed for only it. to have the same leak persist. For an upper end leak. Right. Because when you start looking for all leaks, you have to check top of the motor first. And 
if you've got a lot of oil leaking out of, say, the valve covers, it really doesn't make sense to go in and start changing all the stuff on the bottom until you fix that leak. Sure. Start at the top because the oil is going to run down. It's going to drip from the lowest spot. Mm-hmm. And when oil gets hot, it thins out, and it can go all over the place. So you always want to start with the highest possible leak first. A lot of a lot of Honda products have what they call a VTEC valve. Right. And those are notorious for leaking. you got still oil pressure on them. I've seen uh, valve covers change two or three times. Right. And this valve is actually... Well, it's, it's right on the back right of the, the, back of the head, and it runs down it runs down the valve cover, so it looks like the cover's leaking, but the cover's wet. Correct. Again, you got to remember, the highest item first. Correct. Change that, get it stopped, clean, clean it. the rest of it up the best you can, and see if the leak persists. Mm-hmm. I mean, otherwise, go ahead and pull the motor out and change every seal on it. You can right. do that as well, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense to do that. You always start out at the top, work your way down. Exactly. Hey, we've got to take our last quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. CJ, I've been looking to tone up, man. You have a personal trainer, right? Yes, I've got the guy. Mr. Miyago. <laughs> He's going to teach me how to wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyago's no joke. Oh, sorry. He begins by filling your shorts with wet sand to provide weight resistance and enhance focus. Then launches into a series of drills like crouching tiger, hidden badger, fire monkey, flogging duck, and highly agitated dragon. Sounds kind of extreme. Yeah, bruh. Extreme results. Everybody's got a guy these days. And if you're looking for the right automotive guy, it's Ag Automotive. We make it easy. Quality repairs and a staff you can trust. And with Agco's general inspection, you get an annual checkup to diagnose problems that could cost you down the road. You will need to sign a waiver stating you are not allergic to pig intestines and live geese. I think I'm just going to hit the gym, TJ, but thanks. Get automotive peace of mind. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our general manager, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. Just give us a call. It's 291-6901. Still got a few minutes. Field another call or two. Sure we do. Just go ahead and get it on in. We're talking a little bit today about fluids, losing uh-huh. fluids, what it means when you lose fluids, what has to be dealt with, what doesn't have to be dealt with. And, of course, we take call on any topic you might have. But, again, talking about engine oils, and you made a good point during the break, and that is like a rear main seal, which is a relatively expensive repair. It is. Either the engine has to come out or the transmission has to come out, one or the other. Right. So you want to make sure you've got the right diagnosis. Right. I have seen where the little center unit at the top of the engine block it leaks. It runs down. It's going to drip off right there at the junction between the engine transmission. Usually because that's the lowest point. The lowest and usually point. because the sending unit is on the back of the engine. Somewhere. Well, and it all's going down. Right. You made a good point, and that is the front seal on the transmission can also leak. Right. And, and it, again, covers, it covers that same space. It's going to leak right in the same exact spot. And you would think that the transmission fluid would be... Uh, red. red and engine oil would be a, a well, amber color but by the time that transmission fluid gets down it's covered in dirt it's soaked up all the oil that has already come yeah, down there the leaked grit and in grime there. has hit that tar, tar converter which is very around. hot right so it's going to probably change color before right. it hits the ground right so, and, and also when it starts to wet the inside of that bell housing dirt, dirt dust road grime gets in there so yeah it can be very very dark in color it is pretty hard to determine which exactly it is because they both come the same place now, me personally, if I've got a higher mileage car and I'm going to change the rear main seal, I'm probably going to go ahead and change that front 
park converter seal, too. I mean, you're there. The trans the is out. Is there. Pull the converter out. The seal's sitting right there. Right. I can very easily change it because when I pull the torque converter out just to check it, now the seal's been disturbed. Mm-hmm. A seal, even an expensive seal, is less than 50 bucks. Sure. Most of them are Don't more take, like 10, 12, 14 bucks. Takes two or three minutes to knock another one in at, there. At that point, yeah, it only takes a few minutes to change the seal. Because it would be irresponsible to pull the transmission out, change the rear main seal. And not check it. And not check it, but to check it, I have to remove the torque converter. Which when I do, it. it's going to disturb it. That right. seal's been in there for, say, 200,000 miles. Right. It's, it's hard. It's brittle. When I slide the converter out and slide it back in, even if it wasn't leaking before, it could start to leak. Very much. Now, you put it all the way back together, only to find now we've got a transmission leak. And some of those jobs, 10, 12 hours it can be It can be very expensive. I know, like, some of the old Cadillacs with a North Star, to get the transmission out, you had to drop the entire exhaust system. You had to mm-hmm. take parts of the motor apart. You had to drain the cooling system. It was a big deal. It was sure. a 10, 12-hour job to get the transmission out of this thing. Sure. Of course, some cars, it's fairly simple, uh, straightforward. Take something like a Chevy pickup truck. Well, three or four hours, you can get the transmission out of there uh-huh. pretty easily. And those are very common to have rear main seal they marks. Are. Uh, rear cover seals also leak. If, yeah, it's a cover plate that goes over the seal that's usually leaking more so than the seal itself, but you change them both. At the same time, they, even come, and, they come as a set anyway. And that particular engine has the oil pressure sender right above that. Right above that. So you don't want to take it all down only to see, hey, yeah, I got all above yeah. the engine too, you know. Right. Yeah, you want to make sure you got a proper diagnosis before you get into there. Now, moving on from there, coolant is another one of those things really should not go down. No. It doesn't use coolant. The level is going to change depending on when you check Hot or it. cold. When, when you check it. It thermally expands and contracts with temperature, but it should go between the minimum and the maximum, Correct. and it should continue to therm. If it goes to the minimum and stays there, never goes above that even when it's hot, now you're probably looking at a leak. Well, if and you can also take that system. You can check it at the same time. Every day, either check it hot or check it cold. Mm-hmm. That level should be correct at that temperature. At a given temperature, it's going to always be at the same spot. Correct. It's just going to expand when it gets hot and contract when it gets cold. Now, coolant leaks, a lot of times we get calls, well, I've checked it and it's not leaking. Uh-huh. No, it's leaking. It's leaking somewhere. If, if it's, it's going low, down, it is leaking. Right. It may be where you don't see it. One of the most common things we see, if you get a tank, a radiator tank, that gets old, they get they so, get brittle. Somewhere between 8 and 12 years, it's going to generally, those tanks are going to start to crack. Mm-hmm. If it's got a little small hairline crack, that coolant can come oozing out. It goes down over that hot core with a big fan drawing air across it. And evaporates before it hits the ground. It's never going to hit the ground. anywhere. It is going to draw it through there. It's going to evaporate it, so you're not going to see a leak. Uh, point in case, the, the Chevy trucks right. that have the quick connects for the heater core. Right. That is right above the engine manifold. Right. When that leaks, it leaks down onto the coil, and it leaks down, drips right on the manifold. The manifold evaporates it, and it never hits the ground. Right. Unless it's leaking a tremendous severely. amount. Severely. Really, you know, a severe leak is pretty easy to sure. diagnose. Kind of like a dead man is pretty easy to diagnose, you know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely dead, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, intermittent or, or lesser Slowly. degrees of it mm-hmm. are going to be a lot harder. Another is the water pump on a lot of cars. If the water pump leaks, particularly where from you've the, got a fan on the front of the motor, that big fan is going to blow that coolant back onto the engine mm-hmm. block, and the heat of the engine block and the air from the fan is generally going to evaporate it. You want, may, may not, not ever see, see it, it leak. Yeah. Now, um, the water pump seals, where the, the pump actually seals to the block. Right. I've seen those leak slowly and the coolant evaporates before it gets down to the bottom right now unfortunately on a lot of cars today the water pump is not just a 
bolt on bolt thing. No, it's actually behind the timing chains. Some of them are under the timing chains. Some of them are all kinds of places. Now, another kind of contrary, just like we always talk about, sure. if if you make any rule, there's going to be an exception to exactly. it. Exactly. On a lot of your Toyota products, they've gone to a new type of seal on that, and they say it is perfectly normal for that to seep. That's how it lubricates the seal. Mm-hmm. It should not be dripping. It should not be soaking wet. But if you see a little stain around it, around that water pump, and you are not losing coolant, so it's not an either or, it's a both. Mm-hmm. If you got a little stain on your water pump and you're not losing any coolant, that this is, not is the, normal. That right. does not mean you have to replace the water pump. Lots and lots of those pumps have been replaced needlessly. Mm-hmm. So you, that's, like I said, no matter what rule you make, there's always oh, going yeah. to be an exception. Well, your, your Toyota, I mean, your uh, Ford 3537, mm-hmm. they can't leak where the water pump is situated. It's actually back behind the timing chain. Mm-hmm. If it leaks into the timing chain, it goes right in, into the crankcase. Right. So what they did is they put a galley from the water pump so when it starts leaking it leaks out the front of the block between the air conditioning compressor and the alternator right that's where it leaks out at yeah, it you're not going to see it at you're the not going to see it at the water pump even if you take chains off you're not going to see it so if you've got a leak between those two points that is the output for the water pump mm-hmm. seal and it's a major major deal oh, to yeah. go in and change the water pump on this vehicle yeah i've always considered that kind of a defect in design yeah at least a poor design i'm not gonna say poor, defects maybe a little too strong but Very it's, poor. it's almost like they stuck the water pump on there and they said up oh, if this leak's gonna leak into the engine oil well, let's go ahead and retrofit with this little thing here uh-huh and let's put it behind all this other stuff right so, right it's kind of like they designed it and thought wait a minute we didn't put the water pump on it right <laughs> right well, where are we gonna put it where are we gonna put it and you know water pumps don't fail often but they do fail they do fail it is a consumable part sure. eventually they're going to fail and when they do do you really want to make this a 10-hour job to replace exactly when you could with a little bit of different design you could put it on the exterior of the block pretty easily like right. everybody else in the world does right would have been to where it's an hour and a half two hour job you more know accessible plus it's easier to diagnose easier to change when it does become necessary to change it mm-hmm. but coolant leaks are one of those things kind of a double whammy when it goes down it's going to take more fluid in. When it runs out of fluid, it's going to draw air in. Sure. Once you get air in that system, air has oxygen. Oxygen is corrosive. That system is going to self-destruct in, in very, short, very short, short amount of time. What makes it much worse, people see their level going down. They don't have any cooling on hand, so they add water to it. City water. Yeah, that's even worse. That's even worse. But every time you add water to that coolant, you're diluting the corrosion protection. The mixture it's between not the coolant and ever the water. water. It's designed to have water-coolant mix. Correct. 50-50. So... If you see your level go down, go buy some premixed coolant. Right. They make a concentrate and they make a premix. Right. That and way use you the correct use the correct the fluid correct one for the car because off. there's dozens of different types of coolant and the wrong one can also be a problem. Yep. I see we're out of time. We got to start winding on up, and get on out of here. Like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written view and fill it out for us, please. There you go. Sure, appreciate that. It moves up in ranking so we can get more people listening. If you can't find a review, just go to Google, look up our shop name, Agco sure. Automotive, and put a review there. That works. There you go. Hey, appreciate your opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.